that was totally unthinkable. I I was a total beginner. I was, you know, I had no clue. I, I thought this is impossible for me. This is impossible. So if you can learn something like that, do something like that, that absolutely excites you, that mm-hmm. you wake up and, and uh, like my kids, they have the sparkling eyes, you know, <laughs> and, and you wake up and you, you want to go for it. That, that's the skill I, I challenge you to, to learn. Welcome back to the Own Your Awkward podcast. I'm your host, Andy Vargo, and every episode we get into what has made our guests vulnerable and how they've learned how to own their awkward in order to live their best life. Stay tuned so you can hear every awkward moment in today's show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Own Your Awkward podcast. Today, I have a guest from all the way around the world, at least from where I'm sitting, uh, Marcel Kuhn from Switzerland. Marcel, how are you today? I'm feeling fantastic. I'm so happy to be here, Andy. Let's do this. Excellent. Well, thank you. Thank you for making the time to do it. It's always tricky when we're in uh, time zones that are so far away. We've got to, you know, my morning, your evening uh, works out well. So glad to have you on. So, uh, Marcel, before we uh, dive into hearing about your awkward, we're going to do that in a minute because everybody wants to know that. Um, I'm kind of curious, what's the most exciting thing you have going on right now? Right now, um, I'm just work- working on a on a course that makes the the book that I'm do- uh, that I wrote and published this year more applicable to the day to day life. So, this course uh, should be coming out soon. I don't okay. know how long it takes. It always takes longer than than you you plan, and it's called Quantum Jump to Unthinkable Living in Twenty One Days. So it's a course that helps you to to do the unthinkable life, unthinkable living in twenty one days. I love that. Um, I, I can't wait to to check into that. We're gonna hear more about your book in a couple of minutes. Uh, you guys heard the hint there about unthinkable. Uh, Marcel challenges us to to get into that unthinkable thing. And I, I, when you asked me what my unthinkable was, I was like, ah, gosh, it's kind of like me putting you on the spot with your awkward. It's like, I, I don't know if I've thought about it like that. So, uh, so Marcel, we got to know what's that awkward thing you've had to own in order to live your best life. I just realized that I don't develop such a nice mustache like you. (laughs) I I tried many times. Uh-huh. And yeah, I just I, I just don't have a lot of facial hair. So yeah, just I don't grow a, a really nice mustache. Right. And, and, is that, and is so, that sorry that's that bothered you. That's uh, that's just an example of my awkward sense of humor. <laughs> I love um, it. <laughs> so I I speak irony, you know, I, I speak it fluently. Uh-huh. <laughs> Next to my um, mother tongue of German, Swiss German, and other other languages that I speak, but I think that that's kind of um, you know something to hide my awkward self. Okay. So the kind of this you know a dry sense of humor that that I got from from my dad, I guess, and so so I always felt as a as a young as a young child in school, I always felt a little awkward. So mm-hmm. I you know I. I'm I'm totally fine. I just I just didn't feel like I belong. I, I was always feeling a little bit different than than the other people. So and I developed a sense of humor that many people don't understand. And now okay. I'm a father of three boys, and and um, yeah, they they not always appreciate my sense of humor. But when I try to be serious, they they prefer my sense of humor. Oh, yeah, funny how that works. What, so- what's that? It's funny how that works, that they, they don't appreciate your sense of humor until you lean into the serious. <laughs> yeah, but but they say when I try to be serious, I, I'm actually even more funny. So so I, I, I'm not sure. But I, I just realized, uh, so the sense of humor was something, you know, to to try to be part of, part of um, you know, the group or. Right. And so, so yeah, so, so that that's that's probably my awkward. Yeah. So do you remember when you first started, you said early on you were using it because you didn't feel like you fit in. Do you remember when you first started using humor like that? Yeah, I think it was uh, really early on. Like um, I, I um, thinking back probably uh, around six years old. Oh, wow. Really young. 
yeah, I, I, I liked at that time, I liked to perform. I was like, um, you know, the family, I like to perform and, um, you know, play, um, you know, make, make plays and, um, like theater. Yeah. So, so yeah. I, I like to do that. I like to, you know, play theater and, you know, tell stories. I've always been a storyteller. Uh, so, so that's, that's what I, at that time, uh, in my, in my youth, I didn't feel that what, what I, you know, my, my capabilities, uh, didn't, I, I felt like they didn't do anything. You know, oh. I, I was a, I was a dreamer, a storyteller, and I, and I felt like it was not a skill that, that was of value you know, from my perspective. Mm -hmm. I, I think yeah. that's, um, a really valuable thing to look back on and see be, that, that it was just from your perspective, because when we step into situations, we don't always see the value that we're bringing with, with our skill set or our talents or even the, the way that we're viewing something. And so it's easy to not see it as valuable. And yet other people might really need that entertainment. They might really need to hear the dreams that you're seeing because they might be kind of stuck and not knowing where to go, even if they're really talented in something that you appreciate. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's a good summary of what I, what, what I just talked about. I, I feel I, I was, I was never part of a group because I always, I felt too limited by the group. So I always wanted to be outside of the box, which uh, on one side, I was sad not to be part of the group, not, not, you know, not to be in the uniform and not, you know, not to play soccer and not to do that. But, mm -hmm. but, but this gives you a lot of uh, freedom. Right. You know, and and uh, which which is really great for creativity. You know, to you need your space and you need your freedom and not be boxed in to 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 be able to to create and innovate. Yeah. And I think the, um, what what it turned out is now publishing a book is it's really about storytelling and you know talking, having um, different conversations and interviews. So what I felt was awkward is actually um, my superpower nowadays. I love that. That's that's why we're here, because I think more often than not, that's true. And people don't really know it until later in life. Yeah. And also being not part of the group is right. In hindsight, I see that the reason why, because I wanted to be my own, my own master, you know, my own boss and wanted to decide for myself. And and I, I think now I see my kids in, in they are in school now and and uh, the school system so much wants the kids to be part of the system. Mm -hmm. And they are so much pushed into, into the system. And so everyone has to work like a, a well-working well machine, right? And, and so, so this means less liberty, less freedom. And um, I, I try to balance that with, with uh, exploring, you know, uh, creating space and, and uh, you know, creating empty space for my kids to to explore outside of the system, outside of their sports, their hobbies, that there is some empty space to explore, um, you know, different areas. Yeah, I, I I think that's really valuable that you're passing it on to your children because, you know, you may have felt a certain way when you were growing up and learned how to cope and create and and put this humor in in, in there as a barrier yet. Now you can be purposeful in the lessons you give your kids. Yeah, uh, now it sounds maybe like like it's a whole process behind it, but uh, it's it's more following the feeling, uh -huh. you know, the, the, um, the feeling of you know feeling stuck when when there are, are too many rules. And I, I'm I'm um, you hear hear it from my accent, so I'm Swiss, right? So I'm mm -hmm. from the German part of Switzerland, and Switzerland it's quite structured, and there are many rules. Like from the Germanic side and and the Swiss side, it's it's very structured and many rules. So it's sometimes hard to to break out. And um, I, I just want to give the these opportunities to to my kids as much as I can. Right now, when you started using humor that long ago, and you said yours was kind of a dry humor, so it was a little different. Um, did how did it feel the first few times, if you can remember, when you noticed that you were using it? How did that feel for you? I, I think I, I copied my my dad who has a uh, dry sense of humor. I, I think many times uh, you you're you're not understood when you use a dry sense of humor. It's it's yeah it's 
yeah but but for me i do a lot of word plays and you know um yeah so yeah i i guess you you get, get a kind of practice and and then it's it just becomes your personality so so you don't think about it anymore when you when you do things over and over it becomes your personality and then it's just uh becomes a character trait i think right now how has that served you as you've moved into life with all the things you've done um you're doing a lot of different stuff like one of the things that people might notice uh, if you're if you're listening you won't see this but marcel is in front of a beautiful wave scene in his background which does not look like it's in switzerland <laughs> what is that all about yeah so uh, when i was 18 i had the opportunity to to be a foreign exchange student in in California, and I I had a big dream to learn how to surf, and I actually watched the uh, the movie Point Break with Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze. Yeah, <laughs> that was my inspiration to start um, to start surfing. Okay, and so so it's it's about a gang of ro uh, bank robbers, right? So I didn't want to rob a bank, but I wanted to surf and skydive, uh, and I I had the opportunity to to actually get the chance to travel. To, to California and I was perfectly situated to learn how to surf. So, and, and for me, it was like fi finding something like coming home, even though I've never surfed before, it was like, um, you know, I felt so natural in, in, um, in surfing. And when I came back, I actually told my parents, I, I wouldn't come back and, uh, but they, they kind of wanted me to come back. <laughs> and of course I could have decided otherwise, but, but then it was just easier to, to go back and, but it always stayed with me, this passion for the water and for, you know, to be part of something greater. And when I came back, I actually wrote a thesis paper about the philosophy and the culture of surfing. And oh, in, wow. in that paper, I did interviews with surfers. And now, so many years later, this year, <laughs> so that was in 97, 98, and now in, in 23, I, I published this book, which is actually using the um, allegory of surfing to explain how to navigate life and how to how to embrace the unthinkable how to um, live the unthinkable and living in flow so it's it's kind of full circle back to to my youth wow so you've been sitting on that idea for that long yeah sitting on it but not realizing it so it's uh many times uh you you talk about awkward i i talk about unthinkable but I think it, it's it's uh, it's the same the same kind of topic from a different angle, right? So it's like tomato tomato. It's it's just a, a different angle, I think, and right. it's it's more it's sometimes um, the things are inside us, but we we can't really we don't really know, but they are like inside us. Like the when when you look at the iceberg, you you see only five or ten percent of the iceberg, and there is so much down. And I think that that's in our subconscious and when you're when we are just in in the present it can come out you know the environment has to be um you know right for 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 our best self to come forward and you know to to embrace it yeah I, I think that's a great point which is similar to to what I talked about like you said that like these things are inside of us and we don't always know it and sometimes it takes someone else to see it for us to point it out or or something a life event and i i don't know have you had things that have made you shift your perspective like you've had this book there kind of the content's been in your head for a while but you just did it were there things that made you go oh it's time i got to get this word out there um yeah in in, in my case um i yeah, we had a like a, a family tragedy that made me think about, um, you know, about legacy and about life and about mortality. So, mm -hmm. so then I asked myself uh, the question: well, Why are some people so successful and fulfilled, and other people not? And 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 this seems like so far away from the whole surfing analogy, and and it is. So from from that from that question. Which was about success and fulfillment um, through through few events like um, I went through separation and divorce and and then this brought me to the to the using the analogy of surfing for life. So it was it was kind of a soul soul searching um, you know journey the last seven years and especially in the last three years with separation and divorce 
really sometimes you need outside events to to really dig deep you know go to to your deepest parts right yeah it, it's interesting how um how it becomes that soul searching journey and then you start at least for myself start looking at events or lessons you've learned throughout life and sometimes you say darn it that lesson was there 20 years ago i wish i understood it or saw it or knew it Yes, I, I think um, Steve Jobs talked about that, that you you only see the connections between the dots in hindsight, mm. you know, and uh, and everyone has a perfect CV and it's only in hindsight. You can say, oh, already then, already when I was in school, I, I wanted to be become that. Uh, but it's, it's usually the, the stories we tell afterwards, right? So it makes all sense afterwards. Right. So what would be um, if... If you were going to look at a lesson that you learned early on, <clears throat> excuse me, early on in life that you're looking back and connecting the dots now, and maybe this is part of, you know, addressed in your book, but what would be one of the lessons you would, you found for yourself that you'd share with people? Um, I, I think a lesson that, that is really important is, is, uh, uh, you know, connected to surfing is not to fight against the currents and fight against the waves. And I think for for a lot of my life, I tried to paddle paddle against the waves and paddle against the currents. And um, the waves are always stronger. So so I talk about surrender, and and surrender is about um, giving in and not giving up. So so that's a big lesson that I mentioned in my book, and that's a lesson that ha has been taught to me so many times, so many times, so many times, and um, I. I my old mindset was always I tried something difficult, something unthinkable, and then I failed. Then I thought, okay, to compensate that, to make it all okay, to make this fail okay, I have to uh, succeed at something that is 10 times more difficult. Mm. And then I failed at that because when, when you try really um, uh, audacious uh, um, activities, then, you know, the chances of failing is is pretty high <laughs> right so 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 and and when you have this mindset that you always have to prove that you are okay and that you are not awkward and that you belong i i always i wanted to show that i'm successful so i was chasing success and and that's the opposite of surrender and that's the opposite of living in flow and that, what i'm teaching now is uh, how to live in flow and I, i'm not talking about flow state like the pro athletes talk about flow state um i talk about flow consciousness so mm -hmm. to set okay. up the life uh, like the inner inner you know um, like your inner life and your outer life set it up in a way that you can live in flow at all times okay and that doesn't mean that life is becoming easy you just you know there is always challenges and you you go through them and and but you can stay in flow through the challenges yeah. So now that you have these these better lessons where you have a better understanding about being in this flow, do you still use your humor the same way as an escape or or how do you use it now? I I still I still use the the dry, dry sense of humor. Mm -hmm. And I think I <laughs> I'm OK with not always being understood. I'm totally OK with that. Yeah, it does make and, people have to think a little bit. Yes, and and so sometimes um, I tell my kids and and friends and family, I, I tell tell it. You should see my how it is inside my brain. There, you know, there is just <laughs> not so much seriousness there. Mm -hmm. And um, I actually in 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 my interviews, I had the chance to to interview the abbot, um, the abbot of a Tibetan monastery in Switzerland. Oh, wow. And and oh right, and and he was trained by His Holiness Dalai Lama, so he is one of the the, the you know the highest trained uh, abbots that that you know that you know that um, a, as a Buddhist monk, uh, he's amazing. He he spent his whole life from thirteen to to now uh, like I don't know like fifty years he spent studying Buddhism you know, and, and practicing compassion and meditating. And he told me that the the right humor is the one that is to the point. 
you know oh. that's that's the right humor you know that that, that there is a point and that um is a lesson and i really like that and and actually when you when you follow dalai lama his holiness you will see that he has he has a lot of great humor you know yeah it so it's i think, don't think uh, about relating humor to the dalai lama but that is true yeah so so it's really to the point so there is a message uh, inside and to the point and when I talk about insights, is a real insight is when when you learn something, you get an insight, and and the trajectory of your life from now on changes. Mm. And to to be able to grasp or embrace this insight, you have to be ready and you have to be present. So I I find that, that that's my hope with my book that someone reads it and gets one insight meaning that the rest of his life her life changes no yeah i, I want to go back over that point again because i think that's so important how did you word that once you get an insight your the trajectory of your life has changed yes um a real insight is when the rest of your life from this moment on totally transform and changes so the trajectory of your life changes that's a real insight okay that that's that's Looking back, that's so true because I think about the lessons that I've learned or the things that have been those insight moments that once I knew that I couldn't look at things the same way anymore. And so thus it does change how, where you're going forward. And and uh, I can I can um, share your example. So when you when you blow up a balloon, when you put air in a balloon, mm -hmm. when the air when you leave the air, when you let the air out, the, the size of the balloon will never be the same. So it expanded. Oh, yeah. So when you get an insight, it's, it's, it's really hard to unlearn that, right? When you have right. a real insight, your your whole your whole you know being expands, right? Yeah. So, so it's that's why teaching is so difficult because you know something um and and you have to teach someone that doesn't know it. Right. right. I love that analogy of the balloon. That's that's so visual. I can just picture that. Like I was blowing up a balloon in my head while you were saying that. I was like, okay, what's going to happen? Are we going to pop the balloon? Are we? Gonna... But you're right. It never goes back to the same form. Yes. So so that's why you know that's why uh, knowledge is so powerful, right? Mm -hmm. But insights are connected to emotions, right? So so it's not only it's not only on the in the linear mind, but more in the in the heart, I guess. Yeah. Now, have you ever had your humor backfire? Um, no, mm, <laughs> I, I'm not sure. You know, it's uh, I, I, I just realized it's OK when someone, uh, you know, doesn't doesn't appreciate my sense of humor. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I think it, it all has to do with vibrations. And when we um, when we it's like speaking a language, speaking when I speak Chinese to you, I assume you don't speak Chinese, right? Correct. Just an example. So when when um, I I have a sense of humor that someone else doesn't understand, it's like speaking a different language. So there is no harm, you know, if someone doesn't understand. Interesting. Yeah, that, that's okay. Yeah, I think sometimes people are too quick to find offense where it really is just a lack of understanding. Yes. Yeah. Now, how you you mentioned you speak several languages. Uh, how many languages do you speak? Um, so, so I um, I grew up in Switzerland, and and Switzerland is a really small country. We have four languages. We wow. have a, a, a German, French, Italian, and then we have um, uh, something called Roman, Romanche. Okay, it, it's it's similar to Italian or Latin. I don't speak it, but it's 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 uh, only a very small part of the population who speaks it. But it's one of the four official languages of Switzerland. Okay. And um and the the German I speak the Swiss German is also different from the the, the standard German. Okay. So so you have you have to speak different languages. Uh, for me Swiss German is my mother tongue and and then in school um I speak standard German and and but but that feels really uncomfortable for me. So I you know I I don't have I am not really eloquent in in that. Uh, you know right. I don't sound I I don't sound great. And then uh, in school, I studied French and Spanish and English, and and I, I lived in Japan for four years. So I, 
I learned some Japanese, but that's all gone. You know, if you okay. don't practice, you lose it. Yeah, okay. I, I studied some Japanese in school and I've been trying to brush up on it a little bit because I, I know enough to to ask where the bathroom is and say please and thank you. <laughs> yes, okay. and, and then I, I love I love to uh, interact with people whenever I, I, I am somewhere. I, I always love to interact. And the uh, and the lovely and lovely Japanese people, they are not really into small talks. So it's so it's really it was really hard to maintain my my limited Japanese yeah. by being here. So definitely. Well, yeah. and, and that was what I was curious about is um well, I remember when I was studying foreign languages in, in school, one of the teachers had said to really understand a culture is to understand jokes or humor like you really know that you can know when you understand the the language well enough to know when it's a joke versus just something being said so how is that translated in different languages you mentioned something about joking at the beginning in different languages uh you have to be really skilled in the languages i would think or at least understanding the culture in order to take your humor into a different language yeah, I think for for me because since um, because I was in California at eighteen, um, I feel really comfortable in English. It's not that I I'm my English is perfect, but I I all the books I've read and all the the writing was in English. So so I feel I have a great passive vocabulary and I understand a lot. So mm -hmm. I, so I can make jokes and and um, I think when I was eighteen they call me uh, smartass, which is which is not. <laughs> Not maybe not nice, but that that's because of my um, dry sense of humor, and yeah. because I I used uh, wordplay, and you know, so I I did that then. Yeah, I've been called that a lot in my life, and and sometimes it's a, a term of endearment, and sometimes it's, uh, you know, people tired of my humor. <laughs> yes, and, and for me, sometimes I make a joke and said, "Sorry, uh, you know, it's it's my foreign language, so I." Probably I said the wrong word, and, and oh, you know, I'm, I okay. apologize. <laughs> <laughs> That's always an easy out, too. <laughs> there may have just been a vocabulary thing. Yeah. That's awesome. So so tell us, when you talk about your book, Unthinkable, uh, what's the concept of unthinkable? Is it is it about daring? Is it about, you know, doing something that you would never do? Is it, you talked about getting your life in flow. What's the concept behind that idea uh, so i spent like seven years on that so um i will try to to make a statement about that so you know the um yeah so unthinkable is about is about uh daring but but more daring to be your your purest self your authentic self so that that's very similar to to owning your awkward Right, so so in the old days, I I tried difficult things like I I did I studied in in the French language, so I studied business in the French language at the school that was really, uh, very difficult, so that was challenging. Then I moved to Japan. I didn't speak any Japanese, and I I worked there as a as a consultant, so I that that was that was challenging. I I did um, Ironman uh, triathlon, like a really long distance triathlon. Yeah. I did marathons and trail runs and all that. So I always, um, you know, I always try to prove that I'm, I'm, a, you know, I, that I'm amazing, uh -huh. you know. And but uh, later in the in the last few years, I realized that you don't have to do those those crazy things. But it's it's more like disrupting disrupting your comfort zone. That's doing the unthinkable and 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 uh, following following your excitement and being your and 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 the most unthinkable thing you can do is being your authentic self mm -hmm. and not not having to do something um to prove that you're okay but to be yourself and when i ask you who are you if you take away um your family role your titles um you know your hobbies who are you if if i take everything away and and that's your true true authentic self is not connected to what you have if you have a house or what what not a car so it's it's really who are you at the core and and that, and that's that's the most unthinkable thing to do to be your authentic self yeah and that uh just as you were describing that you know having put in a lot of that same thought from a different angle myself 
I I know how scary that is for people to think about, wait, if I take away those labels, that's how I define myself. That's who I am. Those are the boundaries and the protection I put up there. So that's a that's a scary thing. Yeah, I I think for me, I was in a in a very safe box when I was uh, in my in my marriage. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was really, uh, really focused on being a, a great dad. And uh, I, I tried to be a great husband. And so sometimes, uh, even if you, you do your best, you try to do your best, you sometimes fail. So yeah, in the beginning, I, I looked at it as a, as a huge failure of mine. Right. right. And, and it was really scary to, to, um, you know, to lose, lose that identity. Because right. being married and so being a married dad is an identity, and and from one moment to the next it can be taken away. So so that so then I had to, then at the same time I I felt it was a great idea, and then this is my sense of humor. It's the it's the best moment to to start your own business when you're uh, in separation or divorce. It's it's really <laughs> the best moment. And yeah. I thought, um, you know, when I'm going through all of that, I, I should also um, also change my job, uh, mix it up and and step outside of the safe and really amazing corporate job. So I did all of that. And, and that that's really um, like death. Right. My my identity died, um, you know, so yeah. going through death, then there is rebirth. And um, and that's really scary when you when you lose your it, it's really hard to say what you do when you just start a business. <laughs> it's <Right>. really hard. <laughs> you know, you 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 start coaching and you 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 try to build up your speaking, but you are not actually getting so many so many clients. So it's really hard to to tell other people what you're doing. Right. Yeah. They like to ask, who's your ideal client or what are most of your clients like? And you're like, there aren't any. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, and and um, and and still now it's it's challenging because um, what what I think what unthinkable is about is uh, being your most expansive, so your authentic self, and that's your most expansive self, mm. and and this you know the people that are expansive they are not in it's not that the CEOs uh, are the, the ones that are the most expansive. Right, you can find someone uh, who is really in, in the comfort zone and doesn't want to change anything. So, so um, yeah, it's it's really more about the essence. Who who is ready? Who has the courage to expand? So right. yeah. So, but but what I wanted to say is is what was really scary and was what is unthinkable is losing like all or shifting the identity from my old life, from the boxing life to the life that I I'm living now. Yeah, I I think it, I like that you relate it to to death and dying because I don't think we often plan for the grief that we need to encounter that we're going to encounter with different changes in life and that we do grieve the loss of the life we had when we go through changes and we don't always understand that in the moment that it's a grieving process Um, how was that for you like we see people where they're at now when they make these changes like oh I, I changed everything I expanded myself and I embraced my authentic, my awkward, and life is great, but we don't always see the the hard part. And so was it easy right away? Was it, you know, crying yourself to sleep every night? Like how how was that process? Um so I, I don't know if you watch Marvel, um, you know, mm-hmm. Spider-Man. There yeah. is one, there are many different Spider-Mans, and in one in one uh in one cartoon there were many Sp- spider-mans in different uh, dimension oh yeah and, and one one of those dimension he he just went through divorce and oh. and and he says i took it like a champion and then you see him crying in the shower uh-huh. and and i always tell my boys that whenever they leave i take it like the sh- uh, like the uh, champion and i cry in the shower so 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 how i went through it for me the the picture i can share is um, I was, I was trying like everyone tries their best. So I was, you know, in a Mini Cooper on the on the highway, and then from a side, like a heavy truck, hits me right out 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 from out from a bl- blind corner. So mm-hmm. so that's how I felt when yeah. it happened, and and then it felt like free falling. You fall, you fall back, 
right nothing to hold on that's how it felt and then then when i i stepped out of corporate i it was like jumping from a, a high tower so it was a lot of falling i i felt ungrounded i felt uh, you know panicky so mm -hmm. it was really free fall when you fall and and it's not like skydiving that you choose to fall but you 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 kind of try to hold on but there <laughs> right, is right. nothing that hold holds on so doing the unthinkable always is about jumping without a safety net, right? Right. Now, and and, and we always want to have a safety net, but the, yeah, many times there is no safety net. So you have to jump without knowing how you land. So so that's that's kind of the emotions I went through. And then there is, um, you know, then you deal with letting go of the old stories, and uh, you know, then you have anger, you have fear, you you have scarcity, you have anger, and more fear and more anger, and why, you know, oh. why does it happen to me? And and you know, and then it, you go through cycles of you know, you know, positive thinking, and you do all the work, the, all the inner work, and yeah. So so it, it took me years. Oh, definitely. So and and it's so similar to this. So what I've gone through is so I can really relate as you're talking about this. And I'm I'm curious when you have gone through that and you're going through this free fall and you're falling. And I imagine there were times where you just had the urge to just shoot the spidey web back up to the top of the building and pull yourself back to like, can I just get back to the life I had? But how does a person get through those moments where it's scary or you have scarcity or you have you want the safety net or you want to climb back up to the life you had and you can't. I I feel the life that I am living now, I'm living very, um, you know, um, with a lot of vulnerability. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I ride the waves um, every day. Of, um, I, I don't feel fear or anger or this, this kind of heavy emotions um, that many times anymore. But it's that, like feeling scarcity and feeling that, you know, nothing, nothing works that happens, you know, it goes through cycle. And I, I, I like the waves, right? So, so riding the waves and you have wipeouts and yeah. And uh, what I do is grounding because I'm, I'm a, I'm a dreamer. I'm, you know, I'm a lot of, um, a lot of the time I'm in my mind, you know, thinking, visualizing things. And then I, I just have to make sure that I actually, my, that, that my feet actually touch the floor, right? Mm -hmm. and, okay. and so when I felt like free falling, I was um, um, hugging trees and uh, I'm not joking. Um, so I, I went to the, I went to nature. I was sitting at the, at the favorite spot here. I developed it. it. It became my favorite spot. Very close to my house, there is a gorge and there is a river a small small stream and i was sitting on a bench and put my feet into the into the ground into yeah. the you know to ground just to feel that i'm not falling anymore you know i love and, that and now it sounds not so serious but i i was i was really falling 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 yeah i also and that helped me yeah and with your dry sense of humor i appreciate you calling out i'm not joking here uh, yeah. I found I have to. Do I that. always have to make a, a, a statement about that because no one understands my humor. So I, I, yeah, I. That's what I do with my kids. <laughs> now, one thing, and it kind of relates, I think, to what you're talking about now. But early on, you mentioned riding the wave and surrendering to this thing that's bigger than you, which is looking back now. I think we can really see the metaphor how it makes sense for what you've experienced the last few years and the changes you've made. But one thing you mentioned was giving in but not giving up can you explain the difference between those two ideas yeah yeah um for for me i i can explain it with the pic with the image of a duck dive so in surfing when a wave comes you duck dive right so so you dive with your board under under the wave and when you do it right the wave pulls you out the other side so it's very effortless so that's surrender right accepting it and become one with it and go go to the other side okay and 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 giving up is just you know stopping getting out and yeah not even trying yeah no not yeah and 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 you know there is always a balance there is always a balance like sometimes when you have a tough wipeout it, it's you see it in the big wave surface sometimes they get so hurt so they have to have to get out and and then 
just heal and and then go back whenever they are helping and so yeah so so giving up is not always bad but but it's it's more giving in i i, I don't know how to explain it better yeah well i guess you might have to give up temporarily or take a break versus you know you're going to get yeah. back out there because i have to heal this injury so i can do it well doesn't mean i'm giving up forever yeah and and, and i always say resilience is not about being um the strongest or being tough you know because when you look at surfboards when when the lip of the wave hits them they break because they're they're you know they're hard right mm-hmm. so actually when you surrender you become adaptable and soft mm. so when when you have a wipeout you actually uh, your body becomes soft and you just uh, you you hear from big wave surfers they they just need to be present because when you panic it uses a lot of air and a lot of energy so you have you just have to protect your head and just be still and then the the ocean will bring it to the surface again but if you fight, you you will you will struggle. You will lose all the air and 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 the, um, the ocean. The waves will push you down. Yeah, I, I when you said that about being resilient isn't about being like necessarily the strongest or toughest. It's that that really resonates because you know we always think about oh we've got to toughen up, we've got to harden ourselves. Yet in order to get through, we have to be pliable and we have to actually yeah be able to move with things and and they in the darwin darwinism so in uh, uh they they talk about the survival of the fittest right mm-hmm. but but the fittest means the one that fits best in so that's the most adaptable one so it's ah. not survival of the fittest as the strongest because otherwise the da- dinosaurs would have survived right so it's, right. it's, it's really about the, the one survives who 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 doesn't fight the change who mm-hmm. doesn't fight the waves who surrenders and goes with the flow and goes with the change because um, you can use all the energy you have to fight to maintain a situation so so i could have used all my energy to fight for for the marriage mm-hmm. and and try to make it work but if you know if if it's just not a match you can you can um, try effort as as long as you want, but it it just it just doesn't work. So so I talk going from effort to energy, and 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 going from effort to energy means to be in flow, not go upstream but go downstream with the with the current. Right, and and then you have more energy because if you're going with the current, you have all that energy now. You can use for other things. Yes, you can you can ride the wave. And, and so you, yeah, that, that's really cool. That's, you know, riding the wave. So when um, a wave, like an opportunity is, is a wave, right? Uh, a wave can be perceived as a, a, a challenge or an opportunity. And it's, it's you, you decide what it, what it is for you. You know, uh, some, like something terrible can happen. And for me, I say, wow, now I live a different life. So it's, it, it's a, it's opportunity because I, I have this perspective now. But of course, at the time, I it was a big wipeout, and I was I I didn't have any air. So it's yeah, it's um I think I learned I I was doing that my whole life to see mm-hmm. always the silver lining and to see like a positive perspective. Even while I was falling, I already saw the positive perspective, and oh, and wow. that's why I cycled through that really fast. Mm-hmm. But my whole career was around change management, leading change. So I was. My whole career was about, uh, you know, self-development and leading change. So, so I was always, um, you know, dealing with this kind of field. So, so did that make you feel more prepared to face changes for yourself? Or did it make you feel like, oh, man, I, I like to help work with this in corporations and with other people, not in my own life? No, I... I um um what i what i share what i i shared in in continuous improvement is, is really my my uh, personal philosophy and i think continuous improvement if you break it down to the to the to the individual it's self development mm-hmm. and i i i am um, i had a different understanding before i felt like i needed to be someone else so for me personal personal development was about be becoming someone else and I realized it's 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 more becoming who you truly are, 
And I, I like to share this, the image of uh, Da Vinci, who created the statue of David. That's a really famous statue. And the story goes that he actually, he found a, a stone that the, the other sculptures didn't want to use because it was uh, um, without value, without worth. And he he said he just took away everything that was was not needed. And he created the perfectly balanced David statue, which is now in Firenze in Italy. And and I think that that's what what that's my perspective on personal development is um, doing all the or undoing all the conditioning, unschooling, mm -hmm. and taking everything that doesn't belong away. So so that that's what I um, intend to do with my kids as well. I, I love that. That's that's um that's a beautiful analogy, and it really makes you think about weight. How much have we packed onto ourselves that are weighing us down? And especially with that particular analogy, it's it's rock, it's stone, so it's heavy. And how much of that are we carrying around? Yes, and and I I think if if I have a lesson or a teaching for for people, I would always say, you know, let go as much as you can. Whatever whatever you don't need anymore, whatever doesn't serve you, let it go because it just it makes you so heavy and it's. It's things, it's people, and you know sometimes, um, you know someone goes through a wipeout, and uh, twenty five years later they still talk about that wipeout, right? And and they they are you know everyone has challenges, everyone has wipeouts, but it's it's you know the what we can influence is only how we react with it, how we go with it, how we go with the flow, and um, but we can decide to be to be victimized by by this event and and be a victim for the rest of our life it's really that simple it's a decision and and mm -hmm. that's unthinkable is a decision in your mind do you want to be the victim or you want to be a leader and and want to be your authentic self and i think that's the same the same goes for owning your awkward right yeah i i think that's a good point that that you make that it, it's a decision a lot of times we we stew on like how am i what kind of person am i but we forget, wait, I have choices on how I want to be in the world and how I want to live my life and who I who I want to be in being myself. So, uh, so Marcel, uh, before we go, I'm going to ask you to, uh, to a ways that you would challenge our audience on how they could own their awkward. But before we do that, um, where's the best place for people to find you? We've got your links for your book and your website and everything down in the description of the show, but where's what's the best way for people to connect with you, to follow you, to support you? Um, I use uh, Instagram and LinkedIn uh, mainly, where I share some posts about what I'm thinking about Unthinkable and you know my my learnings. And of course, on Amazon, if you if you want to know more about my book, check out my book on Amazon. It's called Unthinkable: Life Teachings from a Soul Surfer. And um, yeah, we would love to hear your thoughts and if you get any insights out of it. I, I love it. There's um and and everybody be sure you check it out. It's it's a Marcel's as you can see from listening today, he's full of insights. It's a great journey. Um, just the fact that you're in Switzerland and you're a surfer, that's got to get people's attention right there, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so how how would you challenge people to own their awkward to do their unthinkable in the next couple of weeks coming up? Uh, so I I always like to do twenty one day challenges because that that's kind of the sweet spot for me. I I like to to uh, shift and move and change, mm -hmm. and I find twenty one days is amazing uh, amazing uh, period to to make a big shift in your rituals in your habits. So I would I would um, you know challenge you to do something that is outside of your comfort zone for the next 21 days. And you will see that if you if you do something that is scary outside of your comfort zone, that expands you, you will get so much out of it for the whole life, you know, not, not only in this area. And I would advise you to do something that excites you. So for me, in I was just in Morocco, and I learned how to wing foil, which is which is uh, you're riding on a board that is has a foil, so it it lifts out of the out of the water, 
right? And uh-huh. and you you hold a wing, and and I have been surfing for a long time. Um, although I live in Switzerland, so it's uh, mainly when I'm traveling, and and it's it it was a totally new skill, but it's so exciting to be a total beginner. So for me, that's the example that what I learned recently that that was totally unthinkable. I I was total beginner. I was. No, I had no clue. I, I thought it, this is impossible for me. This is impossible. So if you can learn something like that, do something like that, that absolutely excites you, that mm-hmm. you wake up and and uh, like my kids, they have the uh, sparkling eyes, you know, <laughs> and, and you wake up and you, you want to go for it. That That's the skill I I challenge you to to learn. The okay. skill. And, and for me, unthinkable is personal. Awkward is personal. So find the unthinkable for you right so challenge yourself with some, something that absolutely excites you and and changes the trajectory of the rest of your life i love that and i i love the idea that you remind us that when you do these things it's a change for the rest of your life it's not just oh that was a great day that was a fun event yes that's true but now you're on the path to other great things happening or doing that thing again and it it just changes it for every day, every experience we have, we're different from now till the rest of our lives. We're forever changed. Yeah, and I I learned about, uh, you know, neuroscience, that the pathway you create by doing something new, you create, like it's like, like when you when you walk through grass the first time, there is no, um, you know, you don't see the, you know, the, you don't see the, the footprints. Right? right, but when you when you walk and walk and walk after twenty one days, you see there is a little path or a little trail. So so that that's what happens in in your in your brain. So so you make connections, and um, you know on the second day I I didn't know how to do that. On the third day I still didn't know, and and Sunday on day seven eight it's uh, I just could do it. It's just amazing. Wow. Yeah, you didn't have to start over as a beginner every day once you've done it a few times. Yeah, and and um, be patient, right? So, be patient. So when you do it daily, be patient. And and sometimes uh, I always say that when you feel like nothing is happening, everything is happening. You know, when you feel like you you don't you don't advance, suddenly, boom, there is there is your progress because in nature and in humans, nothing is linear. It's only um, our linear mind. Our reptile brain uh, tries to keep things linear. It's safe, but yeah, yeah, it, it doesn't it feels better when it's linear. It, it yes. feels more explainable. It's, it feels safe, and you know, I think we, you know, the really living the unthinkable is really be outside of of the safe space, and you know, being more expansive. I, I love, I love it. Um, there's so much here we could unpack. We could, we could go down so many different linear and and non-linear lines uh exploring all this marcel it's been such a pleasure having you on today thank you andy thank you and everybody out you. there be sure that you follow marcel get his book try something new for the next 21 days challenge yourself do the challenge because you're going to feel the reward if you know it might be tricky the first few times but like he said day seven or eight all of a sudden you're going to feel like you start to know what you're doing Um, It's going to be awesome. Thank you so much. And everybody, be sure you go out there this week and own your awkward. Thank you so much for listening in for today's show. Be sure to visit awkwardcareer.com to continue your journey. And of course, please like, subscribe, and share with your friends so they can find their awkward side and learn how to own it.